Hello and welcome to the podcast. You are listening to the Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD podcast. We have a special episode today where I interview one of my amazing clients. So check it out. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Stay tuned till the end of the podcast where you can find out how to get in touch with me. Hello, welcome to the podcast, Rebecca. How are you doing? I am doing so well. So nice to speak with you again. Yes, it's been a while, but I'm so glad to see you. So a brief introduction of how you found me and how you came to me, because I love your story. (laughs) Share it with everybody. Well, I found you probably the way many people do on the internet, right? I was looking around asking, does anybody know a diabetes coach? And I actually got quite a lot of suggestions and most of them were actually obesity coaches, which is not what I was looking for. I had just been diagnosed with gestational diabetes and I just saw a little bit about you and I was like, this stands out. Let me get on a call. So I hadn't been listening to the podcast. I just saw this little, little bit about you and thought, let's look at, get on a call and see what it is you do and what your approach is. Yeah. So talk a little bit about your path to this, because it was not the typical, you know, most of the women, and you saw this in group, most of the women that are there have had diabetes for 10, 20 years, and they're wanting to reverse it and get off their meds. That was not the path you were on, right? No, not at all. And I mean, there's not a strong family history of diabetes. It wasn't something that was really on my mind. I had that sort of standard test while I was pregnant toward the end of the second trimester and my doctor called and said, unfortunately, you've got gestational diabetes. And I was referred to a nutritionist that I wasn't crazy about. She didn't really seem to get where I was at. I have some additional considerations and I was trying to figure out how to eat properly and trying to do it as fast as possible. There's a lot of contradictory information. And so I realized I was going to need help with what to eat, how to eat, when to eat, those kind of things. But I also could see really quickly, this would be so much better if I had somebody that could also help me with what's going on in my mind because I was having a lot of mind drama. It just sort of seemed to me, obviously not the same as diet culture and like those sort of like typical diets that I think most women have been on, but it was flaring up some of that stuff about Oh, I don't, I don't want to be paying attention to my food restrictions in such a negative way. I really want this to be a positive thing and get good results fast. So that's where I was at. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely. And you, I can remember you being, you know, I've done that whole diet business before. I'm just not into that part. I don't want to feel consumed by it. Was that, was that the feeling that was in your experience previously with Anytime you were monitoring food, that was kind of a consuming experience. Absolutely. And that I think is partly a way to hook you in, right? Like those places that make a lot of money, having you keep coming back because it's always on your mind. And I remember that the last day that I did a diet, which I'm sure all of your listeners have heard of, you know, this particular company, it's well-respected and all that. But I remember the last day that I was tracking everything that I wrote. And I said to myself, I will never do this again. Now, to be fair with gestational diabetes, it seemed like a slightly different situation, but I remembered how I had just sort of said for myself in terms of my mental health, this is not helping me, even though I was quote unquote, working the diet, like it was working for me and that I was losing weight. I didn't feel like it was a good trade-off. And I remember expressing that to you and you were 
seemed like you totally got where I was coming from. You seem very compassionate. It didn't seem like this was something that was new to you. (laughs) It seemed like you had heard somebody else say this before. Right. Well, and even, you know, it's one of those things like, yeah. And I say this all the time, like this is a never, this is not a never, ever game. There's not any food that's never, ever. There's not any experience that's never, ever, because we don't want to live our life that way. Right. And that's really what it comes down to when we believe that we're going to have to have this experience that we're not in love with all the time. And it's going to have to be that way forever. That is not a way to do something long-term, to create that long-term change. So what do you think that your feelings and your thoughts were coming in? Like about your health, about where you were and about what it would take to get what your, so your results that you wanted was really, you define, you say what your results were that you wanted when you came to me. Well, when I came to you, what I said was, I think more or less, I want to get my blood sugars down. I want this baby to be completely protected. I want her to be born without any kind of health complications and not have her at high risk. So I was really about her. I was like, and then I also want for myself to have something sort of similar. I don't want to set myself up for type two diabetes later on. It was really about her. Um, And, and I think that I may have also said at the time, and I want to do it naturally. I don't want to go on medication. I don't know if I actually said that out loud because I do remember you coaching me on that particular aspect later on. And that was huge because I was really almost attaching like blame and shame at a time where I had normal blood sugars, but I was still so concerned that it was Yes, I remember that. And I was like, let's go there. Let's go. What happens if you do? And then we were able to move past that a little bit, but, and then you were able to settle into actually though, we're not even there where sugars look good. Everything looks great. Yeah. The sugars looked good at that point. And also it was like an, even if they go down, I have this ability to take this medicine or insulin or whatever it would be that would help me still get that result for my daughter's health. And it was like, Oh, And that would be a good choice. That would actually be a really good choice if that turns out to be the case. Yeah. In that moment, do you remember the feeling that came over you? Was it a calm? Was it an empowerment? Was it? I really think it was just sort of an expansive relaxation. Nice. It just opened up and I was able to like let go of, of that, of that shame. And I think, I think that that could have happened in a one-on-one consultation, but I remember it was in the group. And I think that the additional dynamic of thinking if this were anybody else in the group that was doing everything she could do and she wasn't getting the numbers and she was like, I'm going to take this medicine. I wouldn't think that that was something bad. I would be like, what an amazing thing. That's the time that you bring medicine in. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was a really powerful moment. And as it turned out, I, didn't need the medication. It never, it never came to pass. It was just future anxiety and worry. And yeah. <laughs> what I, I like to call that borrowing from the future. I'm going to borrow this crappy thought and feeling from the future. And I'm going to experience for the next, you know, until it comes true. Yeah. So in, before you started with me, when you got the diagnosis and your doctor sent you to a nutritionist, which may or have been before we spoke. Was that before? It was we spoke? before. Yeah. Okay. Because I, that's why I was still looking for help. Cause I was like, this, this is, is not, not the answer. Yeah. <laughs> what was your belief about your health before you started? 
after I got the diagnosis, yeah. but before yeah. I worked with you, yeah. I believed mostly that I'd be able to figure it out, that I'd be able to to do this. And I think I felt that wavering sort of on different days. I, I did feel mm-hmm. very determined, maybe is a better way. I was, I'm going to do all I can to, to figure this out. But I was also, I was caught off guard. I was sort of surprised by the diagnosis and I felt like I had, I felt kind of rushed, right? Because I had inadequate information and I was like, I've got to turn this around today. Like I have no time to waste. Um, Yeah. And I mean, and, and clearly I was anxious. (laughs) There was some worry then as well. But you had definitely a belief that this is something that you had agency somehow, some way over, even if you didn't have a clear path. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember because obviously there are some people that do treat their diabetes and have good outcomes. Right. I remember there was a film that I watched some years ago as a documentary with Gabriel cousins, and he was doing this sort of radical raw food diet with people that had really extreme diabetes and getting great results for them. And I was like, Oh, I'm obviously not going on a green juice fast while I'm pregnant, but <laughs> it, had, yeah. it had planted that seed of like, there is a way to do this naturally like this, you can have good results with, changing your lifestyle. And I also had had a a friend, a friend of a friend who had been diagnosed with prediabetes and he did a radical life change. I mean, everything about his life, that sounds so extreme. (laughs) Um, He got really healthy is what he did. He stopped eating all this bad food. He started exercising and he reversed that. So I knew that it was possible. Um, And I was like, I got to do that. And like I said, I was probably, it was probably more it's probably easier for me at that moment to make that decision because it was on behalf of somebody else. It was on behalf of my daughter. Yeah. I would like to hope that I would have made the same decision for myself. If I had been diagnosed with type two diabetes that I also would have said, I'm going all in from today, but because it was primarily for her, it, I think it was at that moment, an easier way to say I'm committed. I'm all in for this period of time. Right. And that was another thing that we really talked about during your program was the, you know, how long do I keep doing this? And then the realization that like, you can keep doing it. It depends on what result you want. Right. That's always the, I always use the results as the goals are our compass. They're not like a stick to beat ourselves with. They're a compass to keep us on that path. What result do you want? And then you have all the tools that you've practiced so that you can implement it. So yeah, so you already had a belief that like it's possible for the human body to be totally healthy. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's also, I'm just sort of mentioning these anecdotal things, but we see that this diabetes epidemic is new, right? That that's something that is fueled by lifestyle choices. I'm aware that there's a lot of people that are in this situation because of, you know, the way that we live our lives now. So- it definitely seemed like this is a possibility, but I want to be one of those ones <laughs> that is able to not go along. I, I really wanted to be able to do it naturally and I wanted to be able to do it fast. So and that's, interestingly, that's like that's not something you ever heard from the healthcare industry, huh? I'm not sure to be honest. I mean, since I didn't see myself as being at risk for diabetes, but your doctor like was after really the diagnosis for. wasn't like, 
oh, you got this diagnosis. Now you need to do these radical lifestyle changes so that you can make a difference, that you can keep this from progressing. Or did the nutritionist ever say? I think that my doctor, my OBGYN, I think she thought I was going to be able to do it with food. She said, I'm referring you to the nutritionist. If necessary, we'll put you on medication. But she just sort of referred me off to the nutritionist. My numbers weren't I clearly had gestational diabetes, but they weren't terrible. And it wasn't like I was eating radically off the charts. I mean, it made some really significant changes, but I was able to come on board, I think, relatively easily, relatively quickly. Yeah. Yeah. For for what it's worth, I have celiac disease, so I was already really used to reading labels, knowing how to ask for what I want and what I need, how things are being made. And- Due to COVID, we were already eating almost everything at home anyway. So those things helped. Those things helped. And then outside of that, it was just kind of narrowing it down, like and getting specific about, oh, this this one specific. You liked the dried fruits a lot, right? Remember, yes. I remember that. <laughs> Did you and and we cut some of those back, or at least like, you know, looked at the carb counts and then made some decisions. And we'll talk about that a little more, but I always think it's interesting. It is great. And I wonder if it's an element of you not being in the States that your doctor was more willing to be like, we've got a, we we can do this lifestyle wise without starting meds. If we need to, the meds will be there. Do you feel like that's a, a different philosophy where you're at? I I'm guessing it probably is. I know that for for what it's worth. I mean, I, you know, track in the category of what they would say, you know, an overweight BMI. And yet I have my experience. So I live in South Africa. My experience has been that I do not have doctors think that weight is responsible for almost anything that's going on in my body. The way that I hear people mm. who are my size in the States experiencing where there's like a whole lot of shame and blame and almost it seems like no matter what it is, it comes back to that. Um, so like in my case, they weren't even weighing me for the last four months, of the pregnancy. Yeah. They're like, yeah. do you want to get weighed? And I said, no. And they're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. They I, were tracking everything else Yeah, and they were just kind of like, okay. So my guess is that that probably falls into that same sort of category of, do you feel like, and I saw this, you know, I spent a brief amount of time in Haiti and the realization of resource, um, limited resources for medical care. I don't know how limited, I mean, how much South Africans have exposed, you know, resources available to them, but it was almost, you know, we don't have the resources, so we're going to need to rely more on lifestyle modification. Um, that's a really interesting perspective. I think that in my case, I mean, I have access to private healthcare here. Sure, my doctor sure. is phenomenal. Like I, yeah. my guess is, is that my guess is not that my guess is that it's actually a different perspective and perhaps limited resource in the country informs her perspective. I'm not sure. Yeah. Interesting. But that's, I mean, that's, and it could just be, there are forward thinking doctors, right? Like last pod, well, the last podcast I recorded, um, not necessarily in order with this one, but I did an interview with um, a functional med doc here in, in my area. And there are forward thinking doctors. There are doctors that are getting out of the mentality of medicine first, then we'll throw a Hail Mary with some drastic lifestyle modification, right? So, and it could just be that you have a 
you got lucky. Like you got lucky. And I, I just wonder if it's a difference in, um, medical philosophies, like healthcare administration philosophies in different countries, or if your doctor's amazing and probably deserves a trophy and an award of some sort. I don't know. I mean, I found you as well. So I would say that that's a priority for me when I'm looking Mm -hmm. for people that have similar kind of values. She herself has a young daughter and so had recently gone through all of this herself in the same area. So I think that that informs a lot of the choices that she made about how I was being monitored while I was pregnant, what the actual birth was like. And so I wouldn't be surprised if this is also partly informed by who her clients are and what she herself wants. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So let's talk about your time in the program. What was your biggest worry starting my program? Did you have any worries? I wasn't worried about the program itself. I thought that the program was going to be there to support me and it totally was. I guess I could have been worried that, as you said, you know, most people in the program had a different diagnosis than me, but I didn't think that that was going to be a big problem. I don't think I was over. I I saw the program as being a resource rather than a concern, to be honest, especially by the end of our call, any concerns that I had Mm. about, is this going to be a good fit? Is she going to make me want to write down all my foods? (laughs) She could afford that is, yeah. Or am I going to have to record all my foods? Am I going to have to like focus on this? But was there any food that you were like, I'm I'm never going to be able to have blah, whatever X food. Was there any of that? I had a lot of that the first couple of weeks. And I also was like, it doesn't matter. You'll be able to eat it after the baby is here is how I dealt with that. And to be honest, for the most part, my daughter is now four and a half months. For the most part, I still haven't eaten most of those foods. Which is, I know, I love that part. (laughs) But we did some work around that. You know what I mean? We worked a little bit around that about, you know, is it beneficial to be postponing or is this really just a choice that we're making because we really do like the result from it? Um, I definitely want to dig into what things are like now for you. Cause I think it's really an amazing transformation, but that goes back. The reason I think that it's so amazing is because it was work that you were resistant to doing. And I don't even think that you knew that you wanted to do it necessarily. I don't think you understood that your diet may have had you on this path towards diabetes in the future, because it was really pretty clean. Even if there was a lot of dried fruits and grains or, you know what I mean? Like but really it wasn't like you were eating ho-hos all day long and you're like, I can't, you know, so I don't think you had the realization that maybe this could be in the future regardless. And this kind of warning flag that came up with your gestational diabetes was news for you. Um, but in the beginning, you know, I think that things that you expressed to me were like, how am I going to go without this? And how long do I have to go without this? Um, right, like it wasn't other- my choice. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, and we talked about all of that, right? Yeah. And in the end, like it was far, I mean, like inevitably you're like, yeah, no, actually like I am choosing this and I really, and that's what you express now. I was doing this because I wanted my daughter to be healthy and that was really, really powerful for you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the other things that came up during our time was in terms of being for me also was being able to really 
focus my mind as much as possible on having a healthy perspective about my own body, like not wanting to start off with any negative body image stuff that I was going to pass on to her. And so again, I was trying to sort of love myself more so that I could be a better model for her. It's a really strong, strong motivator. Yeah. And you know me, like, and I teach this all the time. I, I have an avatar in my brain for my inner dialogue and my inner monologue, I guess, in my brain, my story, my self-talk is based on the way I speak to my daughter because that love is so strong. And it's not because I don't expect any, it's not because I expect my daughter to like lay around and not do anything all of her life. I have expectations of her, but they're from such a kind and loving place that it's powerful. And, and I want that for myself also. So I love it, that you're seeing that. Like, and even you said a few minutes ago, like, I would hope that if I just got the diagnosis and I wasn't pre- pregnant, that I would have made the same decision for my health, but how empowering and powerful it was to do it for the benefit of your daughter because of that deep, deep seated love. Yeah, it was immediate. I mean, one of the things that I didn't know at the time, but that the few weeks prior to the diagnosis, I had just, I had a ravenous sweet tooth. I just wanted sweets a lot. And I was drinking an iced tea when my doctor called. I really rarely drink that. It's not something I would normally want or crave or anything. And when I got off the call, I was like, oh my God, I can't finish this drink. I was, I thought about it for three days. Like I want the rest of that iced tea. (laughs) Um, How funny. Yeah. Yeah. But again, that was that thing of, I knew that if I was going to have the outcome for her, I was like, there is no, I'm going to do it tomorrow or next week. It has to be right now. And I knew, even though I didn't know very much yet, I was like, I know they can't have a drink with sugar in it. That I knew. That seems straightforward for you. Yeah. Yeah. So what were you most surprised about during your time with me, working with me and things that you learned, things like um, mindset shifts, all of those things. What were you most surprised about during your program? Um, good question. Um, I think, I think sort of the, some of the things that we just already talked about, sort of the mindset aspects, I knew that I was going to have some kind of mental drama and I couldn't really see at the beginning where it was going to be other than I want to eat these things that I know I can't eat. And I also knew I was confident that I would have the willpower for a few months to say no, but I knew that there was going to be other stuff that was going to come up. And so I would say, I would say I was surprised in every coaching session of like, Oh, I didn't really realize I was thinking, that I didn't realize that How there were funny. Yeah. subconscious yeah. beliefs. Yeah. And the, the reason that that's so fun is because you are a coach, right? And it's so, this is why coaching is so powerful when you get outside of your own brain and you get somebody to help pull you out and get some perspective on it you see all sorts of things and they're floating around. We didn't know. Was there. Yeah. 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 I mean, as, 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 as a coach and I, we, we went to the same yeah. training school for coaching. And so I believe very much in the power of self-coaching. I think it's really important for me to be aware of and write down and see what's going on. But I also am aware that there's only so much I can see there's blinders. We all have blinders and that's where a good coach comes in to sort of say, Hey, yeah, no, it's here's amazing. what's going on. Yeah. So what was the hardest change you felt like you had to make, or you felt like you did make? I don't know that we ever have to make them. What's the hardest thing that you did? Well, it's interesting because 
I don't know if this is the hardest thing or not really. At the time, it felt really hard to have to do everything all at once, right? Mm. To just make this this clean break. And in retrospect, I feel like it was a good thing that I had to do it that way or that I chose to do it that way. I think that it actually probably could have and would have been harder if I dragged it out more. So, but at the time it was hard because I was in the throes of my body was craving these things. I really wanted them. And I wanted there to be a shift in terms of what I was doing in the short term, in terms of making sure that the baby was healthy, but then also in terms of, I could see already that my husband and I were sort of talking a good game about how everything was going to be healthy for her, but that we weren't actually doing the things we had said before this, oh, she'll be sugar free, but, but what until was she gets here, <laughs> until she gets here and surely until she's on solids or in kindergarten or so, you know, there would continually be this uh, date that could get forwarded into the future. And that was sort of a hard break. I mean, my husband is quite athletic and he also eats pretty clean. He is more of like a paleo style, but he also dropped pant size while I was before I gave birth. So it clearly made an impact for him as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. What do you feel like changed the most about the way that you ate? Most people have this fear, like everything's going to have to be different. What do you feel like was really the biggest change that you had to make or that you did make with your food? Yeah. So I had been sugar-free in the past for periods of time. So that was a big shift overnight, but I also knew I could do it. I think for me was that I had never paid attention to carbs before. When I say I read labels, I was looking for gluten always. And I had no idea how many carbs were in sugar or even things without sugar. So that that was, that was a shift for me to be paying attention to that and to realize <laughs> there were so many carbs in things that will look maybe are healthy in some ways, you know, that do have good nutrients, but that would just put me over. And so I had to really eliminate some of those and pull back on the portion size with others. Yeah. Yeah. What result have you been happiest with? Well, I know the result clearly that you've been happiest with, Talk about that for a minute, because that's probably the thing that flies my kite the highest is the result that you've been happiest with. Tell me about it. So I was able to get the blood sugars down and mostly keep them down. There were a few days that they were up and above. And that was also one of the things I got coached on is like, is this okay or not? And that was where that divide of being able to help the, the mental game of like, it's okay that it's normal. That's what you're trying to do. <laughs> you don't have yeah. to want it to be lower than normal, but also just having a physician being able to say, yes, this is totally fine. That it's a little bit over. And that was impossible for me as a lay person to know when I saw those numbers. So the numbers came down. I was being monitored quite a lot. Doctors were saying all along, it looks as if she is healthy. It looks as if she's not going to be large. And then when she was born, they monitored her blood sugar in the hospital very frequently for 24 hours. And then the pediatrician was said, she's totally fine. This is not a problem. And then I was also tested about two months after the delivery, because there is a really small chance that you do actually then just go straight on to this type two diabetes. Yeah. And it said, no, you're totally fine. Um, so that those were all great and really important health outcomes. Had your gynecologist, had your obstetrician, had she told you like worst case scenarios or had she just said, we got to get this figured out to get, keep baby healthy. 
You know, it's really interesting because only later, only when it was really clear that we were in the clear, did she show me pictures of what it looked like one of her patients that yeah. was having a really problematic pregnancy where the mom had diabetes and the baby was clearly way, way oversized. And she's like, look, this is what it looks like. And she yeah. didn't do that until it was pretty clear that that was not going to be my pathway. Yeah. Because what happens is when our insulin is so high, the baby's getting all that insulin, the baby stores up fat the same way human, like the mother would store up, not that babies aren't humans, the same way a mother would store up fat, the baby. And so we get what's called macrosomia, these very large nine, 10 pound plus babies that mothers then struggle their pelvis or pelvis or human pelvis is not really designed to deliver babies at that size. So we struggle to get them out if we can get them out, if they don't need to be C-sectioned. And then of course, sectioning has all, you know, being C-sectioned has you know, we are missing bacterial exposure that's actually beneficial to the immune system of the baby. You're missing, there's squeezing of the lungs to get the fluid out during that passage through the birthing canal. There's all sorts of things that we miss when we do a cesarean section. And then all of that residual insulin is in your baby's system, driving your baby's blood glucose down the whole time. So your baby, like, I mean, we risk coma, we risk seizure, we risk all sorts of things. And so they're having to monitor baby constantly. So yeah, there's so many benefits, of course, to getting this figured out before delivery. And you had such a great drive for that. And like belief that like, oh, this doesn't mean I need meds. I need, I've got some agency over this. And you really exhibited that. And then like your result from that really was that your baby was super healthy. And I can remember you texting me, she's healthy. And the pediatrician said, we don't need to do anything else. And, and it was just so amazing. Like being a part of that for me was really amazing. I've always thought that like, you know, I delivered a lot of babies in training and I always thought it was such a privilege to be a part of every delivery. Like I'm like the closest thing like I'm the first thing this baby meets. I've always just been privileged to be a part of those experiences. For you, it was heightened for me. It was like, oh my gosh, we're bringing this baby in and it's healthy and it's amazing. And she's beautiful and she really is. Yeah, well, I mean, there, we had such an amazing team. Like I said, like we have had just phenomenal care here. And there were a lot of people in that room making sure she was really healthy. And you we're in the room with us. Seriously. I, I mean, like it. you had this direct, I, felt, I definitely felt tied. And, um, and I did, you know, like I, I messaged you that day and sent pictures and, and I should also say is that I also see that you are somebody who stewarded her through good health for life, right? Because it's not just that there was this impact of her having issues right away, but she would also have been at risk as she got older, if this hadn't been Captain check, which it was. Yeah. We definitely know that like the insulin definitely the insulin has an impact for long-term health, but in addition, avoidance of a cesarean. Um, and all of my children were born by cesarean, so it's not the end of the world. Um, but like, ser- I mean, like if you can avoid that, there is just long lasting um, health benefits that really go along with that. And we're figuring out as we study more of the gut microbiome, we're figuring out that that passage through the birth canal really sets that gut microbiome up to be healthy for long-term. So there really is lifelong benefits with that. So that's awesome. So 
in the four months after Sweet Layla has been with you, what has what have you been most surprised about? Hmm. Um, I think I thought it was going to be harder. <laughs> I, thought, I thought I was going to be more caught up in what the choices and decisions were going to be. Because to be honest, I didn't have a really concrete plan for what's going to happen afterwards. We did talk about it some, but I also wasn't as determined to figure that plan out. <laughs> right. You were very focused on, I want to get my baby here healthy. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about it a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. So it's actually not been that big a deal. I have had a few things that I wouldn't have eaten while I was pregnant. I had some dried figs. <laughs> it was really exciting. I had a a very small bowl, like a half a cup, a little, little, little cup of Cheerios. I think I had talked with you for perhaps an entire coaching session about my mind was focused on this <laughs> box of Cheerios, gluten-free Cheerios. And I had the half cup and I was like, yeah, that's okay. And I had, the box is still sitting there and they have no pull over me. And yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I remember I was really fixated on wanting to have ice cream and We've had a few times we've gone to an ice cream parlor that has like a diabetic ice cream, which I know you don't recommend, right. but a few times it went, had one scoop and that was fine. And yeah, I don't feel myself drawn to eating these foods anymore. I do think that that's partly physical, like the sort of the, the breaking the habit and the pattern, but I also just see the value in not bringing them out in the house, not having them be part of daily life. Yeah. And it is definitely the habit formation that's real. In addition to the neuro, the neurochemical and the endocrine, like the hormonal releases that occur with those foods. Once you break that part, suddenly your brain's not driven constantly to repeat that behavior. So yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, you've texted me. So the results that you've gotten, or you've emailed me, the results that you've gotten, one, you've got a healthy baby that's beautiful and sunshine and happy and the best smile ever, right? That was your big desire. Two was that you would avoid, or at least have the skill set to avoid diabetes for yourself in the future. And you feel pretty calm. I mean, like what you're describing to me just even there is, you know, that, uh, I don't really love that food. I'm not compelled by that food anymore. That makes it so much easier to not end up sick with the food you eat, right? Yeah. I mean, look, if everything was completely equal, if a giant piece of chocolate cake was really healthy for me and had absolutely no <laughs> impact, I probably would have had one. But it does potentially have an impact. And I don't know. I, it seems like if this is really the life that I want to have to not have to ricochet back and forth between a diagnosis and the future of, okay, now you have pre-diabetes or now you have diabetes. It just seems to make a lot of sense to do the things that they would prescribe for me later on and just sort of never, never get there and be able to model the good habits for her as well. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you about your weight and if like, so, I mean, like we don't, we can cut this out, but I think that it's very important because I think it was something that you didn't think was possible. Okay. So your one of the other results that you have shared with me that you've gotten was that your scale dropped in a way that was unexpected for you. How would you describe that? This is a much better answer to the question when you asked what surprised me the most, because this definitely did. I was surprised on the day 
that I went into hospital, I saw how much I weighed and I was like, oh, that's surprising because it means that I didn't really gain that much in the third trimester. I certainly felt like I had changed my shape a lot. Like I was <laughs> my huge. Shape felt you know, my, bigger. <laughs> my shape was bigger. So it wouldn't have occurred to me until I saw that number that I hadn't really gained any weight for several months, but that was the case. And I was like, okay. And then about three weeks after the delivery, I got onto the scale and I had not only dropped the baby weight, which to be fair, I hadn't gained that much weight. I hadn't gained in the third trimester. So I dropped that weight plus another 15 pounds. And then another month later, or at two months, I'd lost another five pounds. So this was very surprising to me. I was not on a weight loss diet. I was not restricting what I was eating. I was actually eating quite a lot, which is partly why I was so surprised to see that the weight had not increased. Um, Because all the other times you'd probably ever tried to lose weight in your life, you had to be starving the whole time to do it, right? I had not been in this kind of situation where I was eating with, I don't want to say without any restriction because I was eliminating certain foods. Yeah. And with the carbs in particular, you know, if I had say brown rice, I limited how much it was to a, apparently what's a normal portion. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but beyond that, and to be honest, like that was not that hard. Restricting that carb choice with was not a big deal. So I was really surprised to see that that was the shift and the change. And yeah, I mean, I know that there's a s- additional risk associated with the heavier weights. Um, again, like it was certainly, I don't want to indicate to anybody that was trying to lose weight while I was pregnant. I definitely wasn't. And I really wasn't even trying to lose weight afterwards. It was just sort of eating this way that my body clearly responded to in a positive way. Yeah. That's how I interpret it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love your story. Again, the avatar of how we love our children and really having that available to us and learning how to turn that inward. I love, um, I love being a part of bringing new life into the world, even if it's from afar, like a different continent. Um, I love that part. I love the transformation, even of you seeing what's possible and that it wasn't as hard and horrible and all of these things. I love all of that part. So I love your story, but what is, what about your story? Do you find that you're like, Oh, I think people need to know about this. Can I not answer that question directly? <laughs> I say like two, two other things. Okay. Um, there were two things that I wanted to, to say. There was one thing that I forgot to mention. So one of the things that I was also quite surprised about in the program that I just didn't know about was the impact of sleep and stress management on mm. my numbers. I didn't know that those were factors at all. It was really news to me. And Getting good night's sleep during the end of pregnancy is not super easy. We were also moving house. <laughs> it's COVID. Like it was a stressful time. And so at the same time, knowing those things and having that support really helped me. I started meditating again during the pregnancy in a way that I really hadn't done in a long time. And that helped calm me down. And I think that that was probably also a factor with the, with the good results that I had. Um, I also just wanted to say that I hear in your voice when you say that you love this story and it's so genuine and true to me. I mean, I know that most people are just listening to the podcast and they haven't necessarily had the chance to work with you. And I would just say that every time that I talk with you and every time we were in the group, 
I just felt such genuine compassion and interest in a way that is not typical of most doctors. I think there are some doctors, obviously, who have that abundance of time and interest and knowledge to share, but it was just such a really special experience. And I would just want to say to anybody who was considering working with you, you don't have to have a child that you're doing this for, that the ability to do it for yourself and to work with you to, to really not overthink this one. This is something I think to be able to give to yourself is um, a really powerful, powerful thing. And that even if you have other kids that are not in utero, <laughs> they're already grown, or you have yeah. some other family member, you have people in your community that you work with, you have other people that love and count on you and want to see you healthy, that part of the work that they get to do with you is helping them love themselves enough to say, yes, that this is something that's valuable for them for the long haul. Um, and just related to that, I just really want to say thank you so much for helping change, I think, my potentially my daughter's whole life. And I think for me, for how, for changing the second part of my life as well. Yeah. Well, it has truly, truly been a privilege, truly. So, well, I appreciate, thank you so much for coming and sharing your story on the podcast. I really think it's there's a unique part of it in that you were pregnant and you have Layla now and how the transformation has really been uh, just so impactful and so much for, more far reaching than a lot of times what we're doing. Oh, I'm going to quit smoking for my pregnancy. I'm going to quit doing this for my pregnancy, but really giving yourself the opportunity to look at the, get coached on the reasons why, so that then they are these long lasting changes is really something you have put into play. Totally. I mean, so many people would say, oh, I do anything for my kid. Well, would you quit sugar? Yeah, I'd quit sugar for a minute. <laughs> yes, I will do that. I'll do that. And so when it's put to the test, you're like, yeah, I will. But then, as you say, to actually also have a deeper reason why and to go deeper and deeper into those reasons and see how they interact with being healthy yourself and having your family be healthy, it it has a much longer impact than it otherwise would to say, yeah, I'll do this for three or four months. Right, right. No, it's been awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been an interview with one of my amazing clients. If this is the work that you need to do to reverse your diabetes, get off your medications, and start living a naturally healthy life, there is help for you. Do not hesitate to reach out to me, delane at delanemd.com. Set up a time for a consult to find out how my program will help you. I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.